Today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. It was an active day here in the city this past weekend. The NDP convention was held downtown. Uh, and uh, one of the highlights was uh, the federal leader, Jagmeet Singh, who unveiled his plan for the upcoming election. And the leader of the federal NDP, Jagmeet Singh, joins us on the Bill Kelly Show to talk about this. Uh, Jagmeet, thank you so much for the time. Good to have you back on the show today. Bill, it's an honor to be here. Thank you, sir. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the who, what, when, where, and why. And maybe the first question is, is why release this now? I mean, we are still uh, some months away, and this is not traditional for a party to release a platform this early. Not at all. I think it's one of the, probably the first time it's ever happened that a major party released a platform so well in advance. Well, we wanted to let people know about our commitments. We wanted Canadians to get a sense of what we care about, what our values are, and really comes down to we believe that we need to take care of each other and that we can do a better job of that particularly when it comes to healthcare. So we made a massive announcement, a major announcement, about expanding our healthcare system to include medication, something that all other major countries that have a universal healthcare system have already done. We're the only country in the world that hasn't, and it's shown because there's millions of Canadians that can't get the medication they need. They get more and more sick and end up in the hospital because they weren't able to treat their illness, and we could have avoided that, and it would have made our healthcare system better if we had. I, I remind people, and I'm sure you're aware of this, obviously, when our Medicare system was put in place in 1964, I guess it was, uh, by the, the Liberal minority government along with Tommy Douglas and the NDP, uh, this was supposed to be part of the plan. There was supposed to be a PharmaCare program, and they said, yeah, we're going to, it's kind of busy right now, we'll get back to it. Well, here we are in 2019, and we're just now starting to talk about it again. It's, you're absolutely right. This has been uh, 40 years of reports and commissions. Uh, that have all pointed to the same thing, that we need to have in a Medicare system that makes sense. You need to be able to not just find out what's wrong with you, but have the means to be able to treat yourself. To, that means having access to medication. We would save a lot. It would make a big difference in our healthcare system. It would mean a healthier population. It would actually save money for employers as well. By, by including this coverage, it would save from the benefits that uh, companies pay for, which is often the most expensive part of the benefits of the drug coverage. So this is a meaningful plan. This is something very important. We're proud of it, and it's a part of our our vision of a comprehensive health care plan that includes once we once we get pharmacare included, we also want to expand into dental care and into uh, eye care, vision care. These things should all be included in our health care system, and, and we know other jurisdictions where it's done. This would mean a massive improvement in the lives of people. People are struggling. They're paying a lot. And we could actually help people out. There's many people that don't even imagine ever going to a dentist because it's too expensive. And then they've got massive pain and they end up in the hospital again. These are things that we can avoid. As, as you know, though, this is a shared responsibility, that being health care, of course, between the federal and the provincial governments. Uh, any other attempt in the past uh, to, to try to get some consensus between the health ministers or the premiers, for that matter, uh, with the federal government and, and the premiers has been like herding cats. It just doesn't seem to be able to get everybody together. How is it going to be better if, 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 if this is you calling the shots? Well, on this plan, uh, it really just takes having the courage because uh, what we're going to do is sit down with each premier. This is what the conversation would go like. Um, you know, Mr. Premier, Madam Premier, for the same amount of money that you're currently spending right now to cover hospital patients who have their medication covered, uh, for the same amount that you're spending on some marginalized communities like people living with disabilities, for the exact same amount of money that you're currently spending to buy medication, we could cover everyone in your province instead of just the few that are in the hospital. I can't imagine any Premier, no matter what their political leaning, who would say no to that, who would say no to a plan that would cover every single person in their province for the exact same amount of money that they're already spending. Uh, that is meaningful. Uh, and that would be the way I'd like to think it's going to be, too. But the, one is always full of surprises, I guess, when those folks get together. <laughs> uh, the obvious pla- question, though, that I think everybody was asking as I was reading through this today is, how are you going to pay for all this? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, one, I think that if we take a step back, we can't afford not to pay for this. I mean, we're seeing millions and millions of Canadians that can't get the medication they need, making tough choices. I met families who say we've got a budget between our groceries or the medication that our family members need. So it's a tough call for a lot of people. Uh, what we're saying is we are going to ask the people at the very top to pay or to contribute a little more. And so I announced one of our measures to pay for this plan would be a wealth tax on the richest of the 1%, those who have fortunes of $20 million or more. And uh, with this, it would be a 1% tax on, on their wealth of over $20 million. Um, that's net wealth of $20 million. So with that, we've got the PBO working on, on verifying the amount, but we're uh, confident we can raise close to $9 billion that way. And that is exactly what it would take to pay from all the reports and all the estimates we've seen to implement a national pharmacare plan. That would be the amount. Um, and what we'd see in the long run, which we've seen from other reports, is that we would actually save money because buying uh, in bulk would mean uh, less of a cost. We'd control the cost of medication going up, which we see it going up year over year. By negotiating with 336 million Canadians using the buying power of that many people, we'd be able to keep those prices in check and uh, enjoy savings in the long term that would make our healthcare system better. We had a discussion on our program last week about uh, about the, uh, the Universal Pharmacare program because obviously this is not the first time in the last little while that this has been uh, put forward. Uh, it's the yes. first time a political party has actually put it in their platform, though, and, and that's, yes. that's one of the reasons why it's going to be front of center for a lot of people. But one of the things that I heard, and a lot of pushback we got last week when we had the talk, is is why does this guy have to be universal? That's going to be a very costly program. Uh, to use your example, does that same 1% that uh, need the same kind of uh, pharmacare coverage as somebody who's making $15,000 a year? I mean, just about every other federal government program, there's a, there's a, a two-tier system. Those that are wealthy, don't necessarily need that help. Those that do need the help, get that help. Why can't you apply something like that to this program? Well, the the reason why this program works, and this is the reason why we've looked at other jurisdictions, one of the re- benefits of being uh, the laggard in the, in the sense where they're the only country in the world that doesn't have a Medicare prog- or a pharmacare program included in our healthcare system, we can look at other jurisdictions. We found that the most effective way to do this is when we use the buying power of all Canadians. It's actually more affordable. It's a better system when we actually... Uh, buy it for everyone. So when everyone's covered, it's actually better. We see that when there's a mixed system, the two-tier system, we see some examples of that in Quebec, the two-tier system actually makes it more expensive. It makes it harder to deliver the program. It makes it easier to cut the program down the road. When everyone benefits, it actually is cheaper because we use the the combined buying power of all Canadians. It also is a program that will be long-lasting. Once it becomes part of our system, we all enjoy it. We all will defend it. Like our healthcare system, it's uh, something we're very proud of. It's just a missing link into this healthcare system. Everyone should have the, the coverage, and it'll ensure that we have a, a more affordable system for everyone. It's just the best way to do it. With uh, federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, who was uh, in town uh, in Hamilton this past weekend unveiling their national platform. Uh, one of the other segments that I know is going to catch people's uh, attention here is uh, you say you're going to put a cap on cell phone bills. Now, talking about cell phones and cell phone rates is, is akin to Mark Twain's comments about the weather. Everybody talks about it. Marty seems <laughs> to be able to do much about it. Uh, where others have failed, how can an NDP plan be successful here? Well, uh, to be really frank, the the big so what we've seen is the big telecom, the major telecom companies in, in Canada, have enjoyed a free reign under liberal and conservative governments. They basically let them do whatever they want, and as a result, we are paying the highest cell phone and data prices in the world. And then folks will say, well, what about the geography? Canada is really a big country and you know a sparse population, not densely populated. And we point out examples like Finland, similar demographics, uh, country sparsely populated. 
and Australia that pay far less. In fact, Australia pays half the prices that we pay. And so it's really come down to the federal government, uh, Ottawa, in, in governments in Ottawa, the Liberals and Conservatives, haven't had the courage to take on the big telecom. Uh, what Australia did to bring down the prices, they put in a price cap. Uh, in fact, the United States put in a price cap on cell phone bills. It brought down the prices and made it more affordable. We believe it's possible. We need to have the courage to do it. And New Democrats and me as leader, I am ready to do that. We're, we're going to take on the telecom companies and say, you have been charging Canadians far too much. You've been gouging Canadians, and it ends. What about expanding the coverage, though, Jagmeet, uh, which is something yeah. that has been discussed in the past. Uh, you talk about the big three who really seem to control things. I don't know if you can call th- big three a monopoly, but it seems to be that way. Uh, because <laughs> anytime much, yeah. anybody else tries to come in here and say, look, we can be part of this, uh, Verizon down in the States, and there are others besides yeah. them, uh, the, the federal government slams the door on them. Uh, are you open to, to opening the borders to, to more competition? Absolutely. We need to have more competition. There's no question about it. Uh, but I would go a step further. Uh, Bill, one of the reasons why we're not able to bring in the competition that we see in other jurisdictions, like in the States, is because there's a, uh, there's a certain regulation that needs to be strengthened that allows uh, a new competitor to come into the market and use the existing infrastructure. To put it in a simple way, right now there's a bunch of roads that have been built by cell phone companies, and um, we, we are not allowed, a new company is not allowed to use those roads. They have to build their own roads to be able to build their cell phone company. But in the States, uh, the companies that have built the roads have to allow com- competitors to rent out those roads to be able to bring in their competitive service. Uh, what we want to do is essentially say people are struggling with the cost of their cell phone bills. They're paying the highest rates in the world. That needs to end. We need to put people first. And when we put people at the center of the work we do, we will get better results. And I'm confident we can bring the rates down by some of these changes. We can make uh, data more affordable. And we know that we're only going to need it more and more because uh, the changing workforces require access to the internet, work, and education, um, whether you're accessing services, healthcare. More and more people are relying on data, not less and less. So we need to make it more affordable. Well, that's not unlike what uh, the federal government uh, back in the day had to do with Bell Telephone, who had, a, of course, a monopoly on that service, and they finally ordered that you have to share your towers, you have to share your, your, your infrastructure exactly. with everybody else. Exactly. So it is doable. Exactly. Bill, that's a perfect example. It is doable. In fact, we just uh, we look at other jurisdictions. This has been done. This regulation that allowed the infrastructure to be used by competitors was done in the States to great effect. It brought down rates. They've got unlimited rates that are far more affordable. In fact, I know people who are in the trucking industry that uh, buy cell phone plans from the States because it's just so much more affordable. That shouldn't be the way things are. We should be able to have affordable coverage in Canada that Canadians can rely on, that people can say, you know what, I can get my cell phone coverage here and it's affordable and gives me the service I need. Uh, lots of other stuff to talk about, but our time is short. A couple more here I'd like to get to. And I know we'll have a lot more time to talk about this between now and the yeah. election day. Uh, you want to also uh, institute a watchdog to investigate gouging complaints when it comes to gasoline prices, uh, which is another pocketbook issue that's going to, I think, uh, have a con- uh, some sort of an impact on a lot of Canadians. They'd like to see this. How is this going to work, and, and how effective could it actually be? Well, we've seen uh, with, with watchdogs in the past, when you, when you add some transparency, it can do wonders to making sure prices are, are set fairly. Um, folks have always felt that uh, prices kind of go up on a long weekend, they go back down afterwards, and it seems to be that there is something going on, and we want to be able to track that better. So what we're hoping to do is using our power at the federal level to, to put an eye on this and see what is going on. Uh, are prices being fixed? Is there inappropriate um, breaches of the competition rules? And we're hoping that using the ability to monitor prices at the federal level across Canada, we can get a better sense of if, if that's happening, and then we can clamp down on it by raising awareness about it and giving provinces 
that information so that they can use their tools. Uh, some of this is a provincial matter, so we've got to work with provincial partners. But I think really it is, when you shed light on something, it helps um, dispel some of the, the bad practices. And I think that's what's going to happen here with our, our program, our, our initiative to have a national watchdog on on gasoline uh, price gouging. Well, and you obviously that discussion has to include some of the, the hanky-panky and sleight of hand that those companies put forward. You know, hey, we have to do maintenance. Yep. Uh, and it's it's not so much the, the production, I guess, of the, of the fuel, but a lot of the time it's the refining uh, mechanism that's supposed to be happening, and they seem to drag their heels on that, and bingo, there goes the price. Right, right, and that's, and that's exactly it. And, and we're really concerned, particularly given when we're at a historic low when you actually look at uh, per, per barrel prices, uh, but despite that, we're seeing record high gasoline prices. So it just somehow doesn't really add up. And I think people are really frustrated about that. And so we want to be able to put some federal scrutiny and see what we can do to, to raise some awareness and some attention on this. And, and I'm very confident, like we've seen in the past, when you put some attention and you are able to show some more transparency, it really uh, discourages some of the bad players and the bad actors. All right, uh, just one last thing here before we finish off this segment sure. anyway. Lowering the voting age to 16. Uh, very interesting yes. debate, very interesting discussion. Uh, I guess yep. the first question is why 16? Why pick that number? Uh, well, uh, the reason why 16 is we're hoping to incorporate it into high school. And, and the reason why I think, uh, we again, looking into some other jurisdictions for, for help on this, we're seeing less and less civic engagement. And, and one of the arguments is if, if it's included as a part of the education curriculum, which it is in most provinces, there is a civics engagement. There is a part where you discuss politics and discuss parties. There isn't a way for them, those students, to exercise that, that knowledge. If we have high school students learning about the Constitution, learning about civics, learning about political system and engagement, and then they also get to vote, I think we'll see higher turnouts for voting it's a way of shifting the culture a bit and getting people more used to voting. And it's a way to, uh, this is where people are more likely to vote. When you're in high school, you're normally uh, in a stable home, you're at home. But once you maybe go away for school, once you graduate from high school, you might go away to college or to university. And then you're not sure where to vote. You don't have the same familiarity. You're not with your family. So we're thinking that this would be a good way to increase voter turnout and get more young people voting. Well, there is a companion question to that. That uh, it's just it's out there, and I got to ask it. Uh, would yeah. an NDP government take another run at electoral reform? Then, yes, uh, actually, we put it in our platform as well. Uh, our position is we would just implement it. We would implement electoral reform. Uh, mixed member proportional is the system that we prefer. We would um, implement it, and then after it's been implemented, uh, give uh, citizens the chance to weigh in on it and see if they want to keep it or not. Uh, similar to how it's been done in other jurisdictions, where it's been brought in. And then folks can see if it works. And then afterwards, it's a referendum. And we found that, well, the history has shown that when it's done that way, resoundingly people accept it because it's a system that works. Uh, without having seen how it works, people are nervous to bring in something new. And we know that the first past the post results in very unfair outcomes. So you get far less than the majority of the popular vote, but you get the majority of the power. Uh, that just is a, an unfair outcome that should not occur. So that's what I'd like to see happen, and that's what we're going to do. Uh, lots more to talk about, but as we say, not until uh, the third week of October that we actually go to the polling stations. <laughs> so we've got a lot of time to do this. I know you'll be back in town in the, in, in many we'll, times during we'll the be. campaign, and uh, we'll hook up then. Jagmeet, thank you so much for the time. Great having you on the show today. Thanks, Bill. Great having you on as well. Federal NDP leader Jagmeet Singh unveiling their program and their policy and their platform, basically, for the upcoming election.
Uh, we'll await the response we get from the Liberals and the Conservatives and the Green Party, certainly in the uh, weeks ahead. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.